Welcome back to uh, another edition of the Bluminati podcast, proudly presented by Homefield Apparel. I think, Steve, you're wearing a Homefield shirt, if I'm not mistaken. Look at that. Oh, that beautiful, beautiful Golden Brahmin. Uh, guys, remember, first time buyers of Homefield Apparel get 15% off their order with the code Daily Stampede. And it is site wide. Remember, 15% off your entire order for first time buyers with the code daily stampede uh great comfortable shirts uh samantha wears my shirts to the gym which i take offense to but she does it anyway um but here we are uh and we're we're creeping up on on spring spring football but uh you know even more rapidly approaching is uh is baseball season folks so you know without further ado let's jump right into a jam-packed show no time to waste Let's bring in uh, Mark Giardino from It's Brewing at McEwen. Uh, Mark, welcome to the Blue Night Podcast, man. I appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. Hey, man. Thanks. I really appreciate you guys inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you've got a got a pretty fun uh, podcast uh, over there yourself where you've uh, really kind of taken charge and, and really, uh, you know, become, you know, the, the, the leading voice for, for USF baseball. And it's, uh, you know, it's a guy who, uh, when I first started, started covering usf baseball was my beat it was the only thing i really covered uh for the daily stampede so i've got an affinity for them the first ever scoop i had was a baseball scoop um which was pretty great uh so i mean let, let's kind of get a background uh, about you how how this kind of movement I, i'll call it a movement it's been a yeah. pretty big movement uh started you, you know when did you graduate or have you graduated yet what what's kind of your background uh with usf and, and baseball yeah for sure so in regards to usf uh i graduated in 2016 uh masters in accounting um grew up playing baseball until probably towards the end of middle school, but in high school kind of just focused on golf. Um, but just baseball is something that I grew up doing and just still love and know a lot about. So just a combination of um, just my passion for USF and the game of baseball kind of felt like a natural fit um, to, to, to really cover it and try to push it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems obviously, you know, the the special run in the the end the AAC tournament plus the the regional, the super regional, really kind of helped you guys explode onto the map. What was kind of the 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 brainchild? What what was the driving force for you guys to kind of really make this a uh, you know a, a passion project, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's actually a good description for it, honestly. Um, I would say, you know, I grew up going to USF games. Uh, my dad graduated from USF. Um, so when I was probably 10 or 11, I had my first USF football game, probably 2005. Um, went to a lot of basketball games back then. 2012 was very fun. Uh, the NCAA tournament run. So really mostly grew up going to, uh, football and basketball games with my dad and my brother, Matt faces on bulls. Um, but honestly, like baseball is the one sport that I grew up the most playing and that I knew the most about. But I also noticed at the same time that it really was kind of the sport at USF that wasn't getting that same level of coverage and uh, appreciation um, that I felt like football and basketball was. And I'll say the last reason is just I see a lot of potential for or I saw and still see a lot of potential for what USF baseball could be, given the fact that. We're in Tampa, which is one of the best areas in the country. 
for high school and little league baseball. And we have a beautiful facility. Um, just everything's in place for USF to be a top notch, top 15, top 20 baseball program uh, year in, year out, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, head coach Billy Mole was on uh, Retcher and, and, and Beckles uh, today kind of discussing, you know, the Tampa Bay area as a whole as being, you know, one of the better talent rich areas, you know, in the state of Florida for baseball. So uh, he's really kind of wants to put a fence around. He's been able to do that pretty well, you know. You know, the shortstop from uh, UCF, uh, notwithstanding, kind of slipping away from Jesuit. But, you know, that's all right. That's neither here nor there for for right now. But, I mean, they, they've done a pretty good job. Um, I think you guys even got a shout out on the on the radio hit today. So that was, you know, it's always, I mean, still for me, whenever, whenever you know, a, a real life, uh, you know, sports figure kind of shouts us out, it's always uh, something else. So, I mean, you kind of made the big time, man. Yeah, yeah. I was actually still working, but my brother told me about it. So I was excited to hear that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, shout out Jay Retcher and Aneem Beckles for that. And let's kind of re- quickly recap last year. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll jump into, you know, the, the 2022 season. It's already, you know, we're, what, 20 hours away, I think, 21 hours away. It, man, it, the quick off season, it felt like, uh, you know, the Bulls pretty up and down last year, you know, COVID and everything. I think the two-lane series got uh, postponed. Um, a lot of, you know, the four-game series for, in conference play, they they never really found their footing. 24 and 26 heading into the postseason. Uh but th- those final two games uh, versus ECU was kind of it was kind of the spark that kind of lit everything. Um, you were, I mean, you were in the trenches during the entire tournament. What was that atmosphere like? You know, I mean, you got pretty close with the players. How 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 was that atmosphere as you guys, you know, kind of went through, uh, you know, that that house of horrors that can be uh, in Clearwater? Yeah, I mean, it was. It was a really a special experience. I mean, especially considering the fact that we had started covering the team through our Twitter account, um, kind of like in the first half of the season when they had our losing record. And we were just, you know, covering and encouraging and just trying to do what we could to promote the team. But because of COVID, um, we weren't even able to go to any games in person. So probably the coolest thing about it was just being able to actually go there and be able to support the team in person. And, um, you know, we just try to make our voices heard and just show them that we had we had their backs. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the, the first thing uh, Coach Mall said to me after, you know, outside of the stadium after the, the championship game was, man, we finally got our monkey off the, the off our back in Clearwater. I mean, that is that place has literally been a house of horrors for USF baseball for a, the better part of a decade. Um, and. and it, it was just so nice to finally see them have success. I just, I can't, the EC, the ECU uh, game, I think it was 2018. Um, they blew the four, I think it was a four run lead in the ninth. I mean, literally anything that could go wrong had gone wrong in clear water and to finally get rid of that was uh, simply incredible. And now you, you kind of turn that into uh, you know, regional birth and, uh, you know, at Florida where you're the four seed, I mean, you, you're scraping your way through, then you upset Florida and then you upset Miami and then you, you come back and beat South Alabama for, to a bid in the, in the re, in the super regional. And it, you, you can't write a script better than that. Right? I mean, it's like the only way that that last season ends better is if, uh, you know, 
Drew's homer actually like really kind of mattered a little yeah. bit more. Like you get into extras and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I lost my shit when yeah. when he. I mean, that was an absolute moonshot uh, by yeah. by Drew Brutcher. And what was your kind of takeaway from from last season and and how you know twenty twenty was not great to begin with, and then you kind of take it into twenty twenty one, still not good, and then get into the you know you get real hot there. Yeah, it was it was it was wild, honestly. You know, like you're right. Uh, 2019 even wasn't really a great season. They they actually didn't qualify to go to the to Clearwater, and then 2020 was cut short with COVID, and then 21 was off to a so-so start. I mean, they had their moments and all of that, but I think it, I think with the fact that they made the run that they did, kind of showed that the talent was always there and the coaching was always there. Like they really just needed like a little bit of an extra spark. And I think when the guys on the team got like a little taste of, you know, winning against ECU those last two games and realized like, you know, how playing together and kind of like just playing as a team and that chemistry they had could take them a long way because they had enough talent. They just never really, had that chemistry or that little oomph that can kind of just push them to the next level, but they had, they had the coaches, they had the players. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's get into 2022 Uh, season starts tomorrow against the old conference foe in in the university of Connecticut. Uh, Jim Penders is probably, you know, one of the best college coaches that I've ever been around just an, just an absolute star in the profession. And, you know, UConn typically always has really good pitching. Uh, they'll have it again, maybe not uh, as high caliber as, as they're used to, but still pretty good. And then they also welcome in uh, Louisville and, and Charlotte to kind of round out this USF tournament uh, opening weekend. Uh, what, what, what can USF fans expect from from a, a you know kind of a retooled USF uh, you know pitching staff? There's a couple of mainstays, Jack Jaciak, Ryan Kirkring, uh, Brad Lord are still around, but you know Lo- the Logan Lyles, the, the Dylan Burnses of the world are, are they're, they're going to have to replace some quality innings uh, from those guys. What, what do you expect from from this pitching staff from this team as a whole as we uh, get into 2022? Yeah, first shout out to the those three pitchers you mentioned from last year. They were amazing. Colin Sullivan, Dylan Burns, Logan Lyle. Um, they really were one of the main reasons everything was possible. Um, so definitely not going to be easy shoes to fill. Um, about half of USF's innings pitched last year were pitched by uh, guys that are not here anymore. So there's a big void to fill. Um, but on the positive side, you have Jack Jaziak, who's – uh, first team all conference. Um, he's been ranked as the number 25 starting pitcher in the, in the, in the country per D one baseball.com. So he's, he's a star. Um, and Brad Lord is an emerging star. Um, he started off last season coming from junior college as like our number two starter, but didn't do too well. And then he got kind of sent to the bullpen, but then he pitched well in the bullpen, came back to the rotation and he was amazing. Like the whole second half of the season, I think his last 44 innings was like a 2.9 ERA. So he, if he pitches like that the whole season, he's like, you have two aces basically. And then um, looking at the three and four starter, um, they're really not sure exactly who it's going to be yet. I would, I would think uh, Orion Kirkering is a contender. Um, Jack Siebert is a true freshman from local uh, Calvary Christian Clearwater. 
and he just had a really good fall and apparently he's continued to pitch good in the spring. So he might actually be the the number three starter. And then the last person I would say for that is uh, Hunter Mink is a transfer from the university of Florida. Uh, his twin brother Tanner was on the team last season and I guess, you know, he just saw his brother beat him and just decided that he needed to come join USF. So it makes sense. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, Hunter's a, a little different from his brother. It throws a little bit um, harder and he got a couple different little pitches. So he's more of a starting pitcher. Tanner's more of a reliever. But uh, Hunter Hunter might be the number three or four starter as well. So you mentioned Orion. I mean, he was he was pretty lights out in the bullpen. If he becomes a starter, who's kind of shoring up the back end there for, for the Bulls? Honestly, like my preference as a fan is just I would like to see Orion stay in that role. Yeah, he was he was great in that role. And, um, you know, he had an amazing performance against UCF, uh, like a two inning save to win that conference title. And then uh, South Alabama, he didn't technically get the save, but he was in there for like four innings in that regional final game and just really shut everybody down. He uh, Baseball America, the magazine said he has the best curve or breaking ball in the American Athletic Conference. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was he was pretty lights out, and you know, kind of a workhorse in in both tournaments. Uh, so uh, it's going to be exciting to see what he does. I know, you know, when you get into college, as you get closer to getting drafted, there's this inkling or idea. Okay, we got to stretch him out because this is your best way to get drafted. So, like like Tommy Eveld, he he. That was my scoop that he was going to be starting one of the the conference tournament games uh, in twenty seventeen, whatever whatever year it was. Um, that you've kind of got to stretch him out because that could be their way to the way to the MLB. So uh, there's that's a balance that college coaches uh, across the country kind of have to deal with, and I get that thought process of stretch him out, see what he what he can do, five six innings and. Because you know what he can do already, um, you, you know maybe not everyone like Andrew Perez. Uh, he was he was just a, he was just a closer. Like that's just yeah. that's just him. Yeah. They, you know, they they tried him out, they tried him out as a as a starter didn't work and just made him a closer and he's been lights out ever since. So I'm I'm excited for it. Um, you know who who's the the breakout candidate for you? Uh, position player and and uh, pitcher who who are you? Ex- you know this is the guy that's going to have uh, a kind of a breakout year and and propel the Bulls forward. Yeah, so for me, uh, position player. Um, I think both, a lot of fans that watch the postseason run are very familiar with this guy, but he didn't really have much of a regular season for us. He last season he got injured. Like in the first weekend, he missed a long period of time. So this is Jared Eaton, the outfielder, uh, left-handed hitter. Uh, he's got good speed. Uh, he has power, contact, pretty much got everything you want. Um, but, you know, last season, like I said, he missed uh, most of the regular season. But when he came back for the uh, playoffs, he had a, a 970 OPS in like 11 playoff games, which is if you do that for a full season, you're going to be an All-American. So. Yeah, in terms of pitching, I would say to have a breakout season, I would say I'll give you a couple names. I'd say Brad Lord, if he can do that for a full season, what he did in the second half. And then also I got, I think a couple guys like Devin Hemingway was, uh, he was a relief pitcher for us last season. 
And he just really didn't get a lot of innings. He, it was his first year coming in from junior college. And I think just there was so much older guys on the team. There just wasn't a lot of room for him last year. He only had like 13, 14 innings. But I think this year he should be able to get like 40, 45 innings. And I really think that he'll do well. Like I think he'll have ERA under three just because that's what he did every year in junior college. And he pitched uh, amazing at the South Alabama game in the regional Pitched really well uh, when I saw him in the fall game against St. Leo. So that's that's a guy that I think will he could he, he could maybe replace Logan Lyle's production out of the bullpen. He's a lefty too, so that's my pick for that. Yeah, I was just gonna kind of add on to Jared Eaton. I mean, he wore out the first baseline uh, in the conference tournament. It was uh, he he was. He was kind of electric and, and definitely a spark plug. I think he, I think he started batting uh, eighth or ninth uh, early in, in the tournament, and then I think he ended up leading off or getting pretty close up there, uh, you know, toward the end. And you know, we have, I don't even think we've mentioned Carmine Lane, uh, you know, Drew Brusher. I mean, the, the talent, uh, at least on the position player side, is is there. I'm excited to see what they can do with another year. Um, and I mean, this is this is going to be a fun team, and I hope you know. I hope, uh, you know, a lot of people go out and, and support them. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, especially with softball. I mean, they, they're they off to a good start as well, you know, beating, knocking off number 13 Michigan already early. And then they've got a big tournament uh, at the Eddie Seymour uh, Complex in Clearwater this weekend uh, where they, they'll play uh, Oklahoma State and uh, Notre Dame and a couple other uh, pretty big names. So, I mean, both bat and ball sports are, are going to be good. And I think – It'll be fun to see both teams do well and succeed. And baseball games are always fun. And, uh, you know, you guys have kind of been at the forefront for for the fans. Um, you, you guys got some tailgate stuff set up and, and it looks like a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, you know, fun. I think I saw Billy Mole tweet out that there's going to be a, a, a like a bar down the left field line. So, I mean. What, what can you tell us about the tailgate? When when should people meet up and yeah, uh, you know, um, pl- plug everything you uh, everything you need to to plug? Yeah, for sure. So uh, our our goal this season is just kind of try to bring a fun atmosphere uh, to the games, which is something that you see across all the best teams in college baseball. You look at Ole Miss, you look at Mississippi State, Arkansas. They have amazing fan support, and all their oh, shout out to University of Texas. They have amazing atmosphere there as well. But, I mean, basically just the fans enjoy it and, um, you know, just kind of builds that camaraderie and support. And, you know, you're not just going to watch a baseball game. You're also, you know, making friends and it's just it's a good time. Um, so the sat- those tailgates for us, we're going to try to do Saturdays um, for home games, uh, three hours before first pitch. And it's going to be in the lot 22F of the Yingling Center parking lot which is uh, the eastmost part closest to the stadium. I think this weekend there's a basketball game, but we're still going to be able to use the lot. We're just having to take the easternmost last little strip of spots there. Yeah. And then uh, I think what you're referencing uh, about the bar in the game, I think on Sundays, I heard the athletics program is, is kind of putting together something called first pitch socials where fans can buy uh, a pass for a set price for the either for the whole season at a reduced discount or just per game, and then they get all you can eat and all you can drink for Sunday games. 
Yeah, I think like the single game is like it's like fifty bucks if I'm not mistaken, or twenty five or something like that. And then like a full season's like two hundred, but it's for baseball and softball. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun as well. Mark, anything else you need to plug? I know what's uh, what's the podcast called? What do you guys do? What's anything else you you need to to plug here uh, before we before we let you go? Yeah, for sure. Honestly, I would just say anybody watching this that you know didn't know about us before. Main thing, just follow us on uh, Twitter at USF Baseball Fans. It's the same handle on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We're pretty much everywhere with at USF Baseball Fans. Um, pretty much just talking about the team and everything else going around the program too. Like, you know, the alumni that play professionally, we got some in the MLB, such as Shane McClanahan, um, Jimmy Hergit was there last year too. And then my, the, my, we covered the guys in the minors that are trying to make it to the MLB. We, we check in with the recruits here and there, see how they're doing. But yeah, we, there's always something going on and just follow at USF baseball fans and you'll be able to keep up with the latest. Perfect. Well, you heard your first folks, uh, make sure you guys follow, uh, at USF baseball fans. Uh, it's Bruin at McEwen. Uh, they do a fantastic job, Mark. I appreciate you guys, uh, you coming on and kind of talking baseball, man. It's always fun. You know, baseball, it's near and dear to my heart, uh, for, for USF, uh, purposes and, um, you know, first pitch tomorrow, six o'clock UConn. Let's get a dub. Let's, let's start the season with a dub. Appreciate you joining us, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, that was fun. Baseball. Baseball. I know. I know. Seth's Seth's favorite. <laughs> yeah. Seth was enthralled with that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, hopefully I didn't nerd out too much. And I, I just, baseball is one of those things that, uh, I won't be able to ever let go. Um, you know, when you, when you break in covering, covering a, a pretty bad team, uh, but you, you meet a lot of great people. And then that the, you get rewarded with a uh, NCAA regional the next year, and it doesn't hurt that you're you uh, you're covering a future first round draft pick and Shane McClanahan, who uh, always made post game interviews a lot of fun. So, yeah. But folks, we got some some news today. Let's shift gears. We're shifting gears to the that oblong shaped ball. We got uh, the 2022 USF football schedule has officially been released, folks. A long time coming. They said, you know, late January, early February, and then it was mid-February. So uh, let's let's discuss it. Um, at first blush, uh, it's a pretty tough schedule. I'm not going to lie. Uh you know, I, I was pretty brash about um, about you know USF going six and six and and making a bowl game and and then um, slowly starting to realize, oh shit, this is a tough schedule. Like at this first blush, I was like four and eight. This is a this is a four and eight schedule right here, folks. Yeah. Oh, Lord. So, Steak put something together here for us all uh, to check out. Seth, so you, you made it look beautiful, though. You you took my my brain fart and turned it into the fucking Mona Lisa here. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's a symbiotic relationship here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we got returning production and SP Plus rank uh, as of now, both from Bill Connolly of ESPN. 
Uh, it's looking a little rough here. Like like you said, Nate, this is not a not a cakewalk, not an easy schedule. It's a lot um, of green is what it is. a lot of green on here. So these are all green is higher ranked. Red is lower ranked. So I think there are a couple that kind of there's I think there's three that kind of jump off the pages should be wins. Um, Howard should be a win. Uh, Temple should be a win. And then I think Tulsa is really winnable. Now, I guess I, you guys can tell me how hard it is to play at Tulsa. Oh, the, the fans are raucous there. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to discredit to our friends over at the Golden Herd cast, but uh, what's, you know, well, what's nice about that is, you know, that's very, the very end of the year. They could be having a rough year. Maybe they pack it in by then. You never know. But outside of we, this, we also we also said that about Tulane last year. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's well, well. <laughs> I mean, you got it. And then when I think so, I think those three would be I would classify just right now before we've even seen anything with the team. We've seen how the new coordinators look in the spring. Just, you know, thinking about talent, thinking about last year, what's coming back. I would think those three would be locked in as wins. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I can't really disagree with. I mean, again, this is very early on. You know, we don't even know what the team is going to be running next year, offensively or defensively or anything. So I think, I think I can palette and say like, yeah, three wins. Like that's kind of what my expectations are at. Um, if we come out of spring ball and the spring practice and Jeff Scott and Trickett and Shoop kind of don't give me the the answers and words that I want to hear out of it, then I'll probably temper it down to like two wins. Yeah, and, and then I think, yeah, and then I think in the next category, to me, what do you think, Nate? Do you think those are, I think those are kind of almost locked in. Those are games you should win. You should be winning. That that To me, that's kind of the floor. That should be your floor. If it's lower than that, you've got some problems. I think Howard, Temple, Tulsa, that should be the floor that's a bad season. That's just, or that's kind of just the bare minimum. Yeah, that's yeah. I I would agree. Man, I I really kind of want to throw ECU in there as well. Well, I think um, there. I think that's the. I think the next two, like the next category up, is ECU and Tulane. I think those are kind of more toss up ish. I'm not touching Tulane with a ten foot pole, man. You can't make me. You cannot make me say one thing or another. Tulane has just owned USF Athletics over the last year. Um, just uh, you can't. I'm I can't afraid. do it. I, I'm not afraid. Like I, I think legitimately the like I think soccer beat them, but like baseball beat them in the tournament twice, and then they've smacked men's basketball they've smacked women's basketball uh they smacked football like uh, nope can't do it not gonna be able to do it man um they're they're our daddy right now it's so bad it's so bad but howard howard ecu tulsa temple those all i will those all should be wins like those are your four. You, those are the four you must win. If you do not win those games, you've got to come up with some magic to steal another one of those games. All right. So what's the what's the road to the bowl game? What's the road to a bowl game? I think a lot of people are going to be. It's going to be all right this year's. I think to a lot of people, it's going to be bowl game or bust this year. Yeah. 
So I'm assuming by Louisville returning 89% of their offense that their quarterback is also back. I'm correct. So. Yeah, I think the only – so the way that Bill Connolly – and just for everyone's sake as far as how this is all calculated, uh, basically it's – he took uh, a weighted percentage of if your quarterback is returning or if your running back's returning, um, how many yards they had, and then the receivers, and then offensive line snaps are also included in this. And then transfers in, um, Bill kind of said it's imperfect. It's kind of – he what he said in his exact words is, it's shoehorned and it sucked, but it worked. So, you know, some of this might be weighted a little bit unfairly um, towards a, a team or two that might not have taken that many transfers or not make taken that many guys that are on the fly or anything. Um, but for the most part, this is as good as it's going to get, especially with the day and age of the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah Malik, Malik um, Cunningham is back. Um, that's I, I really, I really like him. Like he, he is a fun guy. He's what DTR should have been. He's tough. He's he's a. Uh, I think he's kind of hot and cold. He's feast or famine. So when yeah. he's on, they look really good. And he's t- like I thought against uh, against Central Florida last year. He's pretty pretty good. Booking. He's gonna throw for like four fifty and rush for like another two hundred against us. Yeah, I don't know. I for some like I just I really enjoy watching him play. And again, like if DTR had his skill at UCLA, like UCLA is a lot better than they were. Like, I, I, he, I don't know. He was, I, he was, I think he was sneaky decent this year under the radar. Their offense was pretty, was not bad this year. It just kind of, they kind of came out really. Yeah. I think Nick's got a good point here in the chat. That is, that is kind of been lurking the last, couple years since he had that flirtation with South Carolina mm-hmm. where basically the admitted and the administration is kind of uh they seem to be at odds or they I were, mean so <laughs> the administration seems to be at odds with everyone I mean they yeah. I mean Chris Mack obviously had to go at Louisville but I mean it's been it's been a bit of a mess uh, over there unsurprisingly uh, a lot of people were trying to get Tom York back so it's fun times over there uh, in Louisville for sure um, that would yeah, that's go- one I would not I would not quanti- I would not have that one chalked up as a toss up right at this point I, I the wins are right. tough to come by I think um Cincinnati I mean, they've got the that four star QB coming. Like that's that's the guy, right? Or did he transfer out? Uh, they brought him, so Prater's still there, and then they brought back a guy that transferred out and like threw for like yeah, ben, five thousand yards at ben Eastern Bryant. Michigan. Yeah, yeah ben, ben Bryant. Bryant. He went to Eastern Michigan. Oh. Right. Yeah, so the guy basically played a minor league football for a year and yeah, came back. Was, and now, yeah, he got he went and got some. He got he got put on loan to Eastern Michigan. Basically, yeah, he was. <laughs> he, he pulled a. That was as premier league as you could possibly yeah. get. Like send the guy, send the guy to the minors for a little bit. Um, Can you do it on a rainy night in Eastern Michigan? And he could. So they won. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, for Louisville, their first three games are at Syracuse, at Central Florida, home for Florida State, and then uh, home for USF. So. I mean, I definitely see one and two here. I, it could be two and one or one and two for sure. Like, I mean, they definitely yeah. beat Syracuse, right? I mean, they hired Virginia's offensive coordinator. 
and Virginia's yeah. quarterback coach for that team that was like top ten in EPA last year on offense. Virginia had a really fun offense last year, so if they can get that installed, maybe that maybe they'll kind of. I, I don't think you can go down from where they were on offense last year. So <laughs> I agree. Unfortunately, um, so yeah, I mean that's that's tough. So I mean, if, if they get Virginia's offense, I mean they. Feasibly could be zero and three. I think it's more realistic they're one and two or two and one, depending on how Mike Norvell has Florida State shaken out. Uh, Florida, absolutely no shot. I think Florida smacks them again. Um, I, I, I think Bill. I don't know, Seth. You may. I mean, obviously, you know more about Florida, but I think Napier's going to have them kind of not humming, but definitely in the, at least in the right direction with his I think 59 be, and a half uh, analysts. I think they're going to be really good on defense. So I think that's going to, I think they'll figure it out on offense as the year goes, but I think they're going to be really good on defense. The guy that yeah. hired as a coordinator is really, really smart. Florida's got a tough opening slate though. But Utah like, week one. Utah, then, then immediately they play Kentucky. And and then they played Tennessee the week after us. So you could catch a Florida team sleepwalking and trap game. I mean, Napier doesn't seem I mean, coming from from Louisiana, he's probably not going to be one to uh, to overlook a trap game. But man, like three out of your four are really tough. And you might go into that South Florida game thinking, oh, we can you know start preparing for Tennessee, depending on how that Kentucky game goes. You might you might catch him, you know, sleepwalking at Ben Hill. Which yeah. they've been they've been prone to do these last couple of years against uh, well, lesser I, opponents. I think that's why that guy got fired. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, is that why? <laughs> that's one of the reasons. So, yeah, I, I I would I would chalk that up as highly unlikely. I think um, same with it, so. I, it's it, it's a tough it's a tough slate here. So what are the home what are the home games on here? Can we? Yeah, so uh, I should have done that. My bad. Yeah, home games. I got you. So oh wait, no, that's baseball. Hold on. Okay, home games. So BYU. Lord, what's going on here, Steve? You got white lettering. <laughs> home. Road. Road. Home. Uh, road, home, road, road, home, road, home. All right. And then the bye week is uh, smack between Tulane and Houston. Correct. Okay. Which is probably the best bye week we've had in a long time. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Yeah, it really kind of splits it up. Um, I, I saw an interesting note um, from from our pal Hector uh, that he sent over a few hours ago. Um, him being the the mensch that he is. Uh, so Central Florida, Houston, ECU, and Temple. USF plays them the week after they play Navy. There it is. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. And I had pulled up the tweet to make sure. So there you go. I, that's I, the the body blow theory. Maybe catch him after a tough uh, tough game. I, I'm I think you have to be glad you didn't see Navy rotate onto the schedule because I, they seem to kind of figure out their quarterback a little bit 
towards the second half of the year last year, and they're probably going to be to a handful to deal with again this year. Seth, I'd rather play Navy than Houston. Just <laughs> we've played Houston like for five straight years, and I'm I'm tired of getting our asses just handed by them. It hasn't been fun. I mean, to be fair, it has been fun in like five years. I haven't seen a fun Navy game yet. Uh, uh, we have one fun Navy game. That, you that, missed that. You missed that 2016 game, pal. That was a that was a hoot. The one I that saw was, was not fun. Decidedly not fun. <laughs> Where are you talking about? Kirk Rigold throwing 100 miles an hour from four feet away. That's right. Baby. Is that? But it was a fun trip, though. That was a good trip. Can't take can't take that away. Um, but I mean, SMU, they kind of reloaded, right? They got it. They yeah, figured I out a quarterback. I'm they have sure Stone Baker. What's the name? Oh, wait, does, does Mordecai come back? Oh my God. Are you, does he, they got oh, Lash. Man. They got Red Lashley coming in. It'll be, that'll be interesting. Um, I know he brought his O-line coach with him. They lost some of their. I'll, I'll be interested to see after spring if they have anybody transferred to TCU. Because I mean, it's right there. It's not like a, it's not a long trip. Yeah, they. I mean, they kind of fell apart once you know the, the talks of uh, you know the ECU or excuse me the the TCU uh, hire started swirling around Sunny. Um, and, and what they've, I, what they've I, been really good at is beating the really bad teams in conference. And then when they play anybody with the Pulse, the last couple of years, they've gotten house. So we'll see. I, I think last year's a pretty good coach. I think he's got a pretty good system. So if you can get that thing humming, they'll be tough. But it's you, you never know with a new coach coming in. Okay, so it says Tanner is a junior. Oh, my God. There's another year of him. But they did lose almost. Uh, Calcutta. They lost. Whatever yeah, they lost the tight end. They lost two. They lost Roberson. And um, what was the other kid? Um, number five. Uh, Reggie kid. Robinson? No, the other the other kid. Uh, the other good SMU receiver. Yeah, they, they <laughs> fucking which one? <laughs> so both those guys. So you uh, Was it like Jalen Robinson or something like that? Or was that uh, the like Danny guy? something? Or, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, Danny Gray. Yeah. That's who it is. Yeah. He's pretty good. They lost both those guys who've both been really, really good players. So maybe they take a step back on offense. Um, I think they got a good coach, though, so they could scheme up some stuff. But those receivers are probably both, you know, will be in NFL camps next year. So always good when those guys leave and the Calcaterra kid probably is on in the similar, similar boat. So. Yeah. I we'll mean, see. I don't. It's five games. Schedule is, sucks. Five games is a stretch. And for some reason, I feel like central floor is going to be a lot better this year. Um, well, John, uh, Mike John Keen's not, Mike, Mike Keen's not going to be the quarterback, right? Like, there's no John way they can trot him out again for a full year. John Reese Pumley or John Rice Pumley, whatever you say his middle name is, crazy athletic. I think he's like what Gus wants in quarterback. I mean, that dude is – he was playing receiver at Ole Miss after playing quarterback as a freshman. So, 
Hey, he lit up. He lit up LSU on in LSU's uh, national title year. Like he ran he, for like two thirty or something like that. Yeah, yeah. he's de- he is definitely a Gus QB, and I th- I think with a full offseason for him, I think it's going to be a more beneficial than I think what they hoped Joey Gatewood would be. <laughs> um, that was kind of a failed experiment uh, for for them, and they still. I mean, they still have tons of speed. Uh, yeah. He's a lot more like he's a lot more Nick Marshall esque, and I think probably closer to Nick Marshall than a lot closer to Nick Marshall than Joey Gatewood is to Cam Newton, which is what I think uh, Gus was hoping he had there. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, the other, the thing about Gus though, is I think people a lot of people have caught up to him. They were not they had they didn't lose a ton from the year before. Now, obviously, the quarterback getting hurt hurt you, but. Those receivers they had did not get as involved as they've gotten in the years past. He doesn't have a really great passing game, um, but if he's got those kind of athletes, he may not need it with with what he's going to have at quarterback, and he's got some good tailbacks and things like that. So they'll be, they'll, I'm sure they'll be tough again. But it's a home game, and you've played them pretty tight the last two years, so you got to feel pretty. Yeah, good that. and then if you go back and you look at this through games you think you're going to win and the games you played teams pretty tight for a lot of the game last year. That's how you get yourself to a bowl. I think is, you know, ECU. I think, I think there's five you have to win if you're going bowl. And I think if you lose any of these five, it's going to be almost impossible. You got to win ECU, Tulane, Temple, Howard, Tulsa. You win those. And then you got to find one more. Um, which it's been a while since USF has pulled a unexpected victory out of their ass. Yeah. And that's kind yeah. of what we've been missing is those, you know, kind of blue light, blue moon games where you just, for some odd reason, it starts clicking and starts humming. They've been close these last, especially this past year, obviously it's, it was frustrating for a lot of the fans, but that's kind of the nature of the beast is you need, you know, the, the extra coin toss to go your way sometimes. And, you know, you lose out of it sometimes. So I think that's where, you know, if, if there is a sixth win, it's going to be like out of fucking nowhere. It's just going to, it's going to be like a weird and Jeremy gets like three touchdowns and, you know, passing five touchdowns for some odd reason. Like we just, something's going to, something's going to align perfectly for us to win a game. We absolutely should not this year. Yeah. Um, and uh, just a thought question for you guys. Um, if if USF had beaten Central Florida on Black Friday, are we coming into spring ball thinking this is an eight-win team? Uh, no, I don't. Contingency, does, does Charlie Wise Jr.'s get retained because of that? No. I, I think I, you, I, I mean, mean it certainly seems he was gonna be retained. It's not like he was fired, right? I mean, unless right, yeah, he heard something else. He left for a bigger job. Right. Well, yeah, I mean no. No, I mean we I would feel better. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you would think this was an eight one team. That's that's four so I mean that's four losses in the regular season. They got they play how many teams they play six teams inside the top 40 in SP plus preseason two inside the top 20, three inside the top 25. 
four inside the top 30. Yeah. Again, it's just it, an upset has to brew multiple. Like, I mean, we're talking leaps and bounds improvement. Like, right. I mean, we, we kind of like joked about like the marginal improvement uh, in USF's defense this year would, would have, you know, given them like two more wins. Yeah. Like going from historically bad to just kind of bad you know, gave them a win, you know, against Tulsa and potentially a win against Central Florida. So, you know, something to chew on if, if, if God, if Bob Shub comes in here and makes an immediate impact and then, you know, Timmy gets the guidance that he needs from Trickett, like I, anything's possible in college football, but USF is usually not in the, uh, the stars aligned category. <laughs> I, and you, you you mentioned Timmy. Uh, Jeff Scott said, you know, going into spring ball, it's an open competition at every position. Um, how mu- I mean, how much of that is coach speak? How much of that is, you know, this is going to be a legitimate contest. And he named three. I mean, he named the three scholarship quarterbacks that are on campus, but he named all three of them in, uh, you know, Timmy, Travis Marsh, and Byron Brown. It. Is it possible we see Travis Marsh start game one and, you know, Timmy loses out on this job? Some, get pulled after five. <laughs> yeah. But, but what's maybe really you cool, maybe you know, don't want to be named the opening starter. Yeah. You want to, you want to, you want to sit back. You know, Travis Marsh gets named uh, the starter, and maybe we learned something like we did about Cade, where Garrison Hurst, the former 49ers running back, calls him nephew. So maybe there's something about Travis Marsh that we learned. So, I mean, weigh the weigh the options. You know, it's not all bad to be Timmy struggles against, the starter. Timmy struggles against BYU, then Byron Brown gets to play against Howard, and then Travis Morse gets to get, play against Florida, and they pick Byron Brown because <laughs> he had the best game. Yeah, I, um, God, I can't wait. I think. <laughs> all right, uh, let's let's think about this. I, I want you guys to answer this question honestly. Take out how he made you feel maybe flashbacks you've gotten. What has Timmy McLean done? Look at his stats, look at his numbers to make you say that's definitely the number one guy. I think for me, at least, I mean, and and this is not going off the stats necessarily, but the way he prepares for these games as a true freshman, he seemed very clinical early on that he it, it was always keeping his eyes downfield he wasn't you know getting the, the the true freshman jitters of you know that you would see kind of up the road uh with their true freshman quarterback you know looking at how Tim McLean and Mikey Keene played you saw two very different quarterbacks and I think the way that those two quarterbacks prepared were were kind of indicative of how they were carrying themselves. I, I think the biggest thing with, with Timmy and this, you know, we've, we've harped on it towards the end of the year, but, you know, I think the selfish ball, I don't want to call it that, but, you know, not being willing to take the runs where he could and was looking a little bit too much for the home run passes. I, I think that's where he kind of got lost towards the end, but, you know, I think that's kind of to be expected from a, a true freshman. You know, the guy who's making hero plays all the time for Seminoles. So, you know, 
maybe in that mindset, he thought he could do the same thing. And that's, you know, a new off season where you kind of coach him under your wing and say, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta throw it away. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta chalk up a two yard run and, and get out, get out of bounds and, and go for that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to read, I'm going to read some stats to you guys. I want you to tell no, me what <laughs> I want you to tell me what now some of this is, uh, I think some of this may be supporting cast dependent, but, uh, two freshman quarterbacks, both played in 11 games. One was 173 for 272, 1,730 yards, 17 touchdowns, six interceptions. The other was played 11 games, was 145 for 262. That's a 55% completion percentage uh, for 1,888 yards, five touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Oh, who I know who you you're say, talking about. Who would you say was had a better season? Guy one or guy two? It was guy one. Guy one was Mikey Keene. Yeah, but so, Mikey like, Keene also gets. We, yeah, I know he's get, he gets he gets some he gets some supporting cast, but I just don't want. I, I think we're maybe too uh, quick to put a ton of pressure on Timmy. I think he I think he showed a lot of flashes of being having a ton of talent and a big arm and able to do a bunch of different things, but you know. At a certain point, you got to be able to put it all together. And now, with some of that scheme dependent, I th- I think so. I think I think the scheme hurt him more than it helped him last year. So, is that where he can make a big step? I think so. But I, I think we need. I think a lot of people are kind of like, yeah, McLean's the starter for sure. Maybe I think he's probably got the most raw talent, and he had the best. He had the highest highs for sure last year. When you look at him and the other quarterbacks, he had the highest highs. He also may have had the lowest lows last year too. But again, he was a freshman playing with a, you know, Actually, a yeah. supporting cast. It was kind of a rotating door, and they couldn't quite figure it out with a scheme that didn't really fit him. So you hope he makes that next step, but let's not put too much pressure on him too early. Right. It was the whole. I mean. After the BYU game, it was there was a lot of you know Quinn Flowers 2.0, a lot of you know the next coming of uh, the next savior of USF football, and a lot of sky high expectations for him. And I think I, I, I mean, I was beating that drum since day one. Of he's a freshman, he's gonna make freshman mistakes. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Yeah, he makes some great plays sometimes, but you know then he'll turn right around and do something stupid because that's kind of what true freshmen do. You know, I think going into this season. I think having the open, you know, quarterback co- uh, competition is exactly what you kind of need for this team to make the improvements in year two I, or year three, excuse me. Uh, mentally, I'm in year two. I, I think if if Jeff Scott came out and said, "Yeah, Timmy's the starter," uh, you know, we're we're gonna roll with him. I think that's where you know that Jeff Scott's not the guy. Because if he's if he's just settling on on you know the quarterback that made the flashy plays last year, that's not the guy that I want leading this football program. I, I think it's I think it's uh, yeah I agree I think it's good to light a fire on him a little bit. But he I, just as much as I was just kind of getting down on him, I, I do like him as a player. I think he's going to end up being a pretty good player. I, I hope the new coaches that come in really tailor the scheme to him. But you look on he's already a leader of the team like. It's. I think it may be somewhat of a formality. They're going to make him earn it, but I'm sure he's going to get every opportunity to be the guy. Because if you look at these, the teams they do been doing the off season, which I think is an awesome way to do the off season, make it competitive, have teams, give points for everything, including like class attendance, all that kind of stuff. 
he's a captain of one of the teams. I'm pretty sure he's the youngest captain of one of those teams by far. So he's definitely going to be the guy. They'll just have to kind of make him put it on film this spring, which I think is only going to make him better. And I think it's a, it's a good thing to do when you're bringing a new coordinator, make it a fresh start. All right. Everybody's, everybody's even there we go. But I, I think he'll win out in the end, but it's good to open it up. I think. Yeah. I I, I think we all want Timmy to, to be the guy. Right. And I mean, to your initial question, Seth, I don't, think there's really anything that he's put on the field consistently that would say, okay, yeah, this is absolutely the guy, you know, there were spurts and starts, you know, even in the final game of the year, right. Where, you know, he kind of, he led them down. I think they were, I think they started at the 20 yard line or something like of their own 20 yard line or 15 or something like that. And, you know, drove them down and nearly got them a score, but then the same mistake that he had a month ago, he was still making. So, uh, we, we, we flash, definitely flashes of brilliance for sure, and that's what right. you're, you're banking on. If we can hit those highs consistently, then we got a really good player. And his, you know, early on in the season, he he was hitting those deep balls right, and then for stretches they just weren't there. He was underthrowing them, overthrowing them, throwing them to the wrong shoulder, making it you know tougher for wide receivers to catch them. And I, I think as you mentioned, scheme was definitely not on, on his side over the last month of the year. I think he accounted for, I would say 60% of his pass attempts were over that last, that final month against, yeah. you know, a really tough slate. So like top 10 defenses back to back. He's thrown like 40 times. So, you know, it, it's really tough, but, I mean, I hope I hope Travis gets a fair shake at this man. And, you know, we've talked about it previously about, you know, what what's the, you know, the percentage of oh he didn't get a better option or he was kind of promised a legitimate chance to start here. I think he he's also shown flashes. I, I think he turns the ball over a little bit too much um, in, in the times that he does play. But he's got a he's got a rocket launcher for a right arm. Uh, the the skill positions uh, you know on the team are the best it's been since 2017 probably 2018 so there's they can get better um you know Lenny Leonard Fournette is now apparently going to be in the running back rotation as well so so that would be cool so that would be super fun I mean a four-headed monster at geez Um, they're still gonna put in uh, Mangum on the goal line for the touchdown yeah, yeah, I think Lenny and him are gonna have to Rochambeau for each goal line <laughs> touch, or I mean, uh, so that that's you know gonna be a competition right there. But the talent around him is gonna be a lot better. Uh, is the offensive line gonna be better? I mean, they bring everyone back, right? Um, Theoretically, they're and there's right. Right. And you, you see, you know, overall uh, rank 86% of the returning production, um, you know, 88% on offense, 84% on defense, but so does everyone else though. How many, I mean, it, it, you can't say, okay, well, USF's going to get better because they're bringing everyone back and then say, oh no, these guys aren't going to get better. You've got to kind of extrapolate that. And I think, I mean, we've talked about the potential wins here, but uh, 
I I think Jeff knows two wins isn't going to cut it. I think three wins probably isn't going to cut it either. Uh, they've got to hit four, and you've got to be real freaking competitive in two or three more games. Like you can't get blown out by BYU, at Florida, Louisville. Like you can't get like you can absolutely you can definitely lose and going one and one and three in non conference plays. What not a ninety four percent chance that's going to happen, and that's probably a little low. I, it's probably closer to like ninety seven, ninety eight percent chance that that happens. That so you go one and three in non conference play, but you can't get the doors blown off you like you did to open the season at NC State, like you did last year, because it just really will deflate anything, any sort of momentum. Who cares about the IPF? Who cares that you guys may be practicing in it? Like. It doesn't like none of this matters if you get blown out yet again to start another year. And now, great, you beat a FCS team. Great. Now you, you're playing Florida. Oh, you get beat by 30. Oh, you play Louisville. You get beat by 20. And now you're going into conference play. Just, you know, your your average loss margins in the 30s because you're you're nowhere. Yeah. So they've got to be real careful about that. And I hope they figure it out, you know, Soon, you know, Quint Flowers didn't figure it out until game four. The spring game of 2015 was horrendous. Um, I was about to say, Timmy looks, Timmy in his freshman year looked better than Quentin in his freshman and first couple days of his sophomore year, like by far. Like Quentin was like, <laughs> Quentin almost got Taggart fired. That's how bad he was. Well, Taggart almost got Taggart fired. Let's Tag, yeah, with that, yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I think that's I think that's something that needs to be kind of mentioned through it all. Is you know, <laughs> yeah, Timmy Timmy had his dumb moments and everything, but you know, I, I think the biggest issue is if if you do go into that ECU game and you're one and three, you know, I, I think there's going to be a, a large contingent of people that are just going to circle the season and be and be done with it and say, "Our oh, one and three were, you know, we're cooked." I, I I think you can kind of set exce- exceptions towards those Florida and Louisville games. I'm looking more at that BYU and the Howard game. These first four games, I really don't give a shit what the win and wins and losses are. If we win, they're great. But like realistically, the conference play is where we need to start hitting our strides because we scheduled these, you know, out of conference games years ago. And now it turns out that we always play the toughest, you know, best teams during those times. So it's like, well, shit. You know, we might as well just start the year one and three, but ultimately, you know, conference plays what's matter. If we go one and three and then rattle off a conference championship, people won't give a shit about those Florida and Louisville games, you know? So you heard it here first, folks. Uh, USF's going to start <laughs> one and three and then win the conference title. Uh, there you go. There you go. I'm ready for it. <clears throat> ready for the flame. What do you think the over under is going to be? What do you think Vegas sets it at? Three and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. You think last year was three and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Think and they, they went lower. You think they go lower? Yeah, they went two and ten. I think they go two and a half. It's a tough schedule, man. It is very tough. I the Yeah, if we go to ECU two and two, that's a great start to the season. If you get two out of the first four. I'm over the moon. You're you're you start thinking bowl game because if you beat one of BYU, Florida, or Louisville, you're probably good enough to beat ECU and Tulane. So, yeah. Start making your bowl prep if they yeah. can start two and two. 
I, that was Birmingham Bowl. Our, our good friend, I think our good friend Joey Knight said BYU. Maybe he thought is a, a prime upset opportunity because of the weather. I and thought nice that too. Muggy. What do you, what do you guys think on that one? Last time BYU came down here, they're playing against forty year olds. Man, they got no shot. Yeah. Tyler Algier's gone. I think so that's yeah, he is. Yeah. That's they've nice. got some. Uh, they've got some five. They had some like four or five star receiver that transferred in that didn't play a ton last year. They still got some talent on there, and they're returning the entire defense. So most of the defense, not just nothing. One one guy left. That's all it was. Three yeah, percent. Now they're they're a team that like really benefited from that Big Twelve uh, invite. They got a big bump in recruiting this last year. They've been pretty bad, and they bumped up big time this last year. Yeah, they they stole kids like straight from Oregon, like straight out of their nose. Well, I mean, it doesn't hurt that Oregon. Yeah, but as well. Yeah, but yeah. like, I think they're really leveraging the like uh, Samo. The coaches really leveraging like the Samoan heritage, the island heritage, and getting some of those guys there. Which oh god, never yeah, a bad, never a bad thing. Never Hector a bad just, thing. Hector just brought it up. If that if that BYU game is a noon game, I'm actually I I would put money on USF because there's no way they're going to be prepared for a noon game in August. There's no way those pasty white boys will be able to there's, handle that. Fucking the the thirteenth Romney is going to just pass out in the middle of the second quarter. The fourteenth will just come right in. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Given Given USF's luck, it'll be a nice like 80, 81 degrees with a nice breeze. Listen, they don't listen, guys. They don't take these mission trips to like Norway. <laughs> no, <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> they've dealt with some heat, you know. They're... Yeah, that depends. Are these guys coming back from mission and they're playing, or are they? I, I forget how the BYU uh, the mission schedule works for their athletes. Don't they do it in the middle of their thing, or do they do that before? I thought they go. They like, go to BYU. I thought they go early, right? Or something? Is it before, or is it like after? They get, it's like they they sign, and then their first year, their first year or two is a mission trip. Yeah. So. God, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uganda. So what? But do you, you don't. We've got a couple of questions. Uh, Gary's had a couple of questions. Do you think, uh, no matter what, because this is a hard schedule, what has to happen for Jeff Scott to feel some heat? Is there, I mean, besides going winless, is there like what? What is? What's the record where he starts to feel it a little bit? Because two I and think, ten. Two and ten. Uh, can I be bold on something? Yes. Uh, he's gonna feel the heat regardless. Do you think? Oh God! Yeah, with these fans, yeah. Like someone, someone's going to be like, I mean, we could go six and six this year, make the bowl game, make the progress that we want to, but lose a game and people are going to fucking shit the bed. You know, this team's terrible. They'll, they'll lose to like Houston, like 58 to 13. And people are going to just write off Jeff Scott and want him to get fired. Even if, and they'll, even if they go six and six, even if they get a bowl game, even if they win a bowl game, there'll be, wow. there'll be people, you know, preaching wow. in the street that Jeff Scott needs to get fired. I think you're well, going to get like I mean, people. I think you're going to get people to do that, like regardless. But the, there's, I mean, there's there's Alabama people that say Saban should get. He's lost it. He yeah. should get fired when he loses. Yeah. The game. So like like outside yeah. of those kind of people, yeah. But like, the I, I think ultimately, if he doesn't make a bowl game, I think that's where the most amount of heat is going to come from. Is that's the threshold is is six wins. 
So like there's going to be some people that are going to understand that five wins, like a lot of progress has been made, but I think six wins is the, the fan idea. Like, you know, year three, you should make your bowl game because UCF went 13 and 0 with their three years. And that's what all the other schools do and everything like that. Yeah. I, I think that no bowl game this year may turn that year. I don't, I don't think he's fired if there's no bowl game, but I think no bowl game this year, which I, I think is tough. A bowl game will be tough, but no bowl game this year really makes year four like a make or break type. Because you can only yes. you can only promise it for so long. Eventually, you got to deliver. And yeah. I think I think hopefully you you get some more this year, some more progress. I think we saw progress last year. Hopefully, you see more this year. But you know, if you don't, then you have to start questioning like. Um, I think it's just our question in the direction, but I think we're a long way away from that. Yeah. Um, we still got to play the games, but it's definitely, I, I think if they go six and six, you're not going to, you're not, if they get a bowl, you're not going to see a ton of complaints. I think a lot of, I think people understand this is not an easy schedule. And if, I you, think, can make, if you can make a bowl, I think they'll, if, if they win eight games, it might build a statue. That's true. I'll, the I'll chip in. Um, so f- I think four games is the floor. Right. Uh, anything under four, there there will be some internal conversations. I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but there's going to be like, bro, come on. Like, there's yeah. there's got to be there's going to be some ultimatums made. Like, get this shit fixed, or you will not be here next year. Especially because he does not have his coordinator chips to cash in anymore. Those, no. have got, those are those have been cashed. Maybe he was saving Weiss to cash it in next year, this next year, just in case. But those have both been cashed now. So, so you got there's you. no yeah, there's no more. You've seen the roster. Um, you've been you've brought your guys in. You brought coaches in. Um, it's a tough schedule. It's a tough business. But this is kind of it. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't get paid two point three billion dollars to win three games. No, I That's mean, what, what would, if if they win three this year, he'll be at what for his career? I don't know. Ask uh, Gary. Uh, three, hold on. Three. So if he wins three games, yeah, he'll be six and twenty-eight, I believe. Yeah. So that's that's not great. No, six, but, six and twenty-seven. Excuse me. They want one and one and nine, two and ten. Yeah. So. Tough schedule, a tough, tall task, but you know that's that's how it is. So I, I think I think you'll see them get show progress this year and get better, and then hopefully, if they can somehow steal a couple, make a bowl game, then you go into the next year. I think, and I think Hector said it like Timmy. If Timmy's really the guy and he shows it this year, the next year he's going into his third season. That's when you have the real big breakout. Yeah, where you're, where, you're, where you're really competitive, um, and a bowl would be helpful just for the extra five, practices and all that kind of stuff. Like five and seven would be pretty promising. Um, be, I mean, because in theory you're you were you know a play away from being a bowl eligible, right? Um, yeah, unless think, those seven games you just got blown out. I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the road drinks gets broken this year. I think they win at Temple. Should have won at Temple Jeff Scott's first year, 
Uh, but I think this year they get off the snide there. At laughing at at worst, there's your road win. So you know, I, I think we're uh, I think they're moving in the right direction. But you know, you you never know what could happen. A guy could get hurt. New coordinators might not click. And then you got a another bad season, and then you're going in the wrong direction. But I, I think all indications from everything we've heard, everything we've seen, what we've seen from year one to year two, I think everything's moving positively. Uh, yeah. Everything's moving positively, and, and and they just got to keep taking steps forward. If they don't, you know, you don't want to just sit in place, which I think if you go – if you go three and three and nine or less again you're just standing in place not getting better so yeah absolutely um yeah uh, floor is four I, I think the absolute ceiling is six like there's i don't see seven ones on the schedule i barely see six i vaguely see five and four is nice and sweet um but yeah, just wanted to kind of pop in and uh, depress know, appreciate- everyone. Yeah, <laughs> um, as we wrap up this hour and ten minute show, I appreciate everyone uh, joining. Uh, I appreciate Mark over at It's Brewing at McEwen for coming on talking baseball with us. Uh, really, as a you know way for Seth to to prettify this uh, the six cell spreadsheet that Steve sent over. Um, but make sure you guys follow them at at USF Baseball Fans. Uh, they do great stuff over there. It's a they're they're a lot of fun. Um, so we'll we'll keep following. Baseball starts at six o'clock tomorrow. Uh, UConn, Louisville, and Charlotte this weekend at the USF Baseball Stadium. I don't, we don't have a men's basketball team, Gary. Um, so. You know what we do have, though? A good track and field program right now. Holy shit. <laughs> Look, you remembered this time. <laughs> I got it in because I, I was not going to let it slip this time. Oh, let's, let's, go to a, it, let's go to a single here. I had it written down <laughs> to not forget it because last time I, it just, it, I didn't want to interrupt the flow of it all. Um, just infinite shout outs to coach Eric Jenkins uh, coming over and just first off believing in this program, this track and field program, which was just paltry this cross country and track and field, you know, for the state of Florida, for all the athletes and all the lovely, uh, lovely people we had come through this program in the past. We are fucking terrible. Just one of the worst track and field and cross country programs in uh, just the continental United States. You know, I, I think we lost to the university of Alaska at a few meets every once in a while, but through, through sheer perseverance, uh, through just care and love, we are finally able to, to win quite a few, uh, quite a few, uh, different events throughout the year. I don't have the numbers straight in front of me from the windy city, uh, invitational, but I do know, uh, we won the 60 meter women's hurdles. Um, and a few other events as well. They're producing all Americans. They are, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal progress and it's not like they're running up against, you know, Florida Southeastern or or shit like that. Like this most recent meet that they had at the windy city invitational, Oregon was there. Wisconsin was there. Michigan was there. Purdue was there. Like these are 
pretty good, uh, you know, programs and, you know, overall just fantastic. Love it. Love seeing it. Write them off. They're going to, they're going to do great things in the future here. Look at that. Actually, I finally got it. It was so in the 60 meters hurdle, it was a one, two finish for USF in the women's, uh, 60, 60 meter hurdles, uh, Hannah Cornell and Chanela, uh, Chanelix, I cannot, Chanelix Davila, uh, finished one, two. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Beautiful. Start with baseball and with track and field, folks. There you go. Before we go, Steve, any uh, you're getting some some love for your for your new setup there. Oh, right. Uh, I got my my lovely uh, background photo that I use for all my Zoom meetings whenever I'm not there. Actually, whenever I leave to go to the bathroom, what I'll do is I'll just do one of these and just leave them there, and then I'll I'll sneak off, you know, and then go get a beer or something, and no one knows the difference. It looks like right. a deodorant commercial. Like from a like a or a deodorant. It looks like. Are a you deodorant. saying my armpits are sexy? Looks like a deodorant ad from like a magazine, like a full it page. Might, might I might have to look into doing some some armpit modeling for you, Seth. I, I'd love nothing more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, get us, off, get us off of here. <laughs> uh, seriously, holy crap, man, this derailed. Oh, uh, real quick, Seth and I will be at some a pretty cool event next weekend. Uh, I think. I'm going to be buying, I'll be buying the ticket uh, tomorrow, Seth. I promise. There you go. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, I don't, I don't want to spoil it or get in trouble. So maybe we, sh- I don't, w- would we get in trouble? I mean, we gave the money. We're coaches. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're, yeah, we're, between, coaches. we're between gigs. I'm auditing. I'm auditing just in case I want to coach. That's yeah. really what it comes down care. to. They're just trying to raise money. Yeah. Who cares? But we'll uh, tell you guys what it is until after we go, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. Uh, another wonderful, wonderful night talking to you, uh, talking to the fans. Yeah, I mean, Gary, we'll be talking from from here on out. I mean, probably maybe next week. Who knows? We'll see. Um, we hit a bit of a we hit a bit of a news drought there. Yeah, we, we were real dry, wait, and we wanted to wait for uh, some things to pop before. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so we'll be back probably next week or maybe the week after. Um, we'll we'll play it by ear. You know, spring sports are a little bit wonky, and you know we got a, a lot to talk about, and you know they have a lot of games, so it's really tough to pick a good spot to discuss, especially now with base, you know, baseball, softball, and then both basketball teams are like playing every other night, so it's it's really tough to like. All right, this is the night we're gonna talk and then you know it becomes old news quickly so we don't want to take you guys to those basketball games that have been so exciting well yikes oh but for seth stieg and myself nathan bond this has been another beautiful episode of the bluminati podcast proudly presented by homefield apparel go to homefieldapparel.com check out their stuff. I think Illinois is the next uh, release this uh, this weekend. Uh, they've done South Carolina. They've done uh, North Carolina State uh, was last weekend. Yep. Um, so they've done some great stuff. Use the promo code Daily Stampede for first time buyers. You get fifteen percent off your entire order site wide. And they, I think they're closing in on like two hundred schools at this point. So make sure uh, you check them out again. 
Thank you for listening to the Illuminati podcast. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.